All right, does everybody have a message guide? Everybody have a message guide. If you need a message guide, raise your hand. Uh, hey, can I get a couple of message guides in here? Here we go. Just keep your hand up. They're going to bring them to you. Also, if you're visiting here, uh, maybe it's your first time or you haven't filled out a connection card, uh, really would encourage you in the back of the chairs, there's connections, ca- connection cards placed there. Uh, also, if you have prayer requests, uh, this is how we get your prayer requests, and we um, give those to Leslie and the prayer team, and they pray over those. Um, so if you have a prayer request, if you haven't um, filled out a connection card before, please do that. Uh, and you're invited to do that each week as things come up or uh, you've got comments that you want to make. Um, the connection card is the way to do it. And if you want... If you have something you want to talk about or meet about, or um, you can put all that on the connection card and the appropriate person will contact you. Amen? All right. I want to read a scripture to you from the book of Hebrews, Hebrews chapter 1. Um, we're still talking about the mission. Now, I, I, want, I want you to understand something. When I say mission, I'm not talking about missions, you know, like we're going to go uh, to Africa and preach the gospel to the Zulus, okay? That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about the mission the church has been given by the Lord Jesus Christ, and that is to make known the gospel. And we are all, that is every believer's mission, is to make known the gospel, to make known Christ. Amen? Amen. And so, I just want you to, to understand this in its proper context. To reach people, to help them grow, to become fully functioning followers of Christ. I want to read the scripture from Hebrews chapter 1. Let's just begin in Hebrews 1.1. 1, 1. God, who at various times and in various ways spoke in time past to the fathers by the prophets... That is the Old Testament that we have. So all these guys we read, we read their books, right? Jeremiah, Isaiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, those were prophets. How did God speak? In times past, He spoke by the prophets. And what did the prophets prophesy of? They prophesied of Christ. They spoke of Christ. This is why Jesus says in Matthew 11, He said, John, all the prophets prophesied until John... Why? Because John was the last Old Testament prophet. He was the one that fulfilled Malachi. Read Malachi chapter 3. He was the one that came and prepared the way of the Lord, make straight away in the wilderness. And, and so what did the prophets speak of? They spoke of Christ. What is the message of the Scripture? The message of the Scripture is Christ from beginning to end. Amen? Say, I thought it was about all the things, how to have a, you know, a better life and how to get through my difficult times. And Well, listen, it'll do that for you too. That's why Jesus said, seek ye first the kingdom and its righteousness and all these things will be added to you. But the point of the Bible is not all these things. The point of the Bible is the kingdom and its righteousness. And, and that is in a name, Jesus Christ. Amen? All right, so in times past, they spoke to the fathers by the prophets. God has in these last days 
spoken to us by His Son, whom He has appointed heir of all things, through whom also He made the world. How is God speaking to us today? By His Son. Amen? So in John 14, 15 and 16, just hours before the arrest of Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane, Jesus says, it's to your advantage that I go away because I'm going to send the Comforter, the Spirit of Truth. And what is He going to do, Jesus? He is going to speak of me. He's going to testify of me. He's going to reveal me to you. He's going to tell you about me. He's going to make me known to you. He's going to give to you and speak to you the things that have been given to me by the Father. So how is God speaking to us today? By His Son. Because what's the Spirit speaking about? The Son. What we're talking about today, when we talk about the mission, we're talking about the Son. When we talk about transformation... Remember, the basis of our mission is obedience. Who gave us the mission? Christ did. When we talk about the motive of our mission, it's love. Who told us to love? Christ did. As a matter of fact, He set the example. He said, love one another even as I have loved you. So you are to love one another. The motive, our motive of everything we do should be love. Amen? Amen. By the way, Jesus commands us to love. He commands us to keep His commandments. And John says in this, hey, my my commandments aren't burdensome, Jesus said. If we love to love, is it a burden? If we love God with all of our heart, with all of our mind, with all of our strength, with all of our soul, is it a burden to love God? No. Matter of fact, we find great joy in loving Him, don't we? We find great pleasure and fulfillment in loving Him and in loving one another. This is why in John's letter, 1 John, he says, Hey, if you don't love your brother, the love of God's not in you. Because how can you truly love God if you can't find it in yourself to love your brother? You might be keeping a law, you might be doing it out of obligation, but that's not love. If I truly love God the way God tells me to love Him and keeping the greatest commandment, that's where I find my greatest joy, my greatest fulfillment, my greatest pleasure in loving Him. Then it must also be in loving you and loving one another. Parents, if, you have, if you're a parent here, you have children. Parents, if I were to say, I want every parent in this place to raise their hand if they've ever not liked what their children did. Well, every parent would raise their hand and say, you know, there's a lot of things my kids do that I don't like. Does that mean you don't love your children? No. Does God like everything we do? No. But does He stop loving us? No. Do you have to like everything I do? No. But you have to love me. Not only do you have to love me, You should find great joy in loving me. Just like I don't have to like everything you do, but I should find great joy in loving you. Why? Because because we're one in Christ. And so the mission we're talking about of making the gospel known, of making Christ known, of presenting His love, 
of presenting the gospel, of, of, of presenting ourselves to God, I mean, that should not be a burdensome thing to us. It should be something that we actually find great pleasure in doing. So the, the motive should be love. The success of our mission includes you. The goal of our mission is, we talked about this last week, transformation. Transformation. I can spend a lot of time on that, but I don't have time today. Because we're going to talk about the strategy of our mission, and it is PRAY, P-R-A-Y. It's an acronym. It stands for Present, Ready, Abide, and Yield. Now, I'll just be honest with you. I hate formulas. I feel like we're a society that reduces everything down to a formula. And we have reduced God to a formula. We've reduced everything to a formula. And I'm telling you what, God is so not a formula. But there are practical things. See, we, we can't say it's all, you know, we're not Gnostic. And none of this matters here. Well, I love you even though I, you know, just abused you. But just know that in the spirit realm, I really love you. That slapping your face really didn't matter because you're, you know, this material realm is nothing. No, we're not Gnostic, okay? What, what happens here really does matter. What you do matters. How you love matters. It really does. So what I'm talking to you is about a lifestyle. I mean, how are we going to fulfill what God has told us to do? Well, we can just try to do it out of sheer will and out of obligation by feeling shame and guilt and all of that. But I'm going to tell you what, that's, that's not going to last very long. You will bolt very quickly from that system and scenario. And so this is not what God has, is talking about. But I want to talk about these four words, present, ready, abide, and yield. Not as a formula, but as a lifestyle. And, and we could have picked a whole lot of other words, but I just picked these four words because they fit really good with the word pray. Because prayer has got to be part of it. And again, prayer shouldn't be some mechanical thing I do. Just like husbands, you know, loving your wives shouldn't be mechanical. It should be very natural for you. Just like a parent loving their child comes very natural to them. It shouldn't be a mechanical thing. It just is the outflow of the love that's inherent there. Well, this is, this is the way our life in Christ should be. So I've picked some scriptures here, and I'm going to go through these. Let's talk about what it means to present. The word present means to bring, to give, to lay before. Romans 12, 1 and 2, Paul says, Brothers, present your bodies to God. So we see that we are to present ourselves to God. You know, what you present yourself to or who you present yourself to really does matter. And this, again, I want you to think of this in terms of a lifestyle, not just a formula. Present yourselves to God. I'm going to go through these pretty quick, and you can take this and meditate on it later, hopefully. Present His love to one another. John 13, 34. This is the new commandment. That you love one another the way that I have loved you. Do you present His love? Do you present His love to the world? Do you present His love to your brothers and sisters? Do you present His love to the person that's not presenting love to you? See, Jesus didn't say... Love one another if they love you. No, he just said, love one another as I have loved you. The world hated Jesus, but God so 
loved the world, he sent his son. God didn't say, well, I would have sent my son, but the world hated me, so I'm not going to love them. Mm -mm. Are you presenting his love to one another? Matthew 28, Mark 16, Luke 24, present his gospel to all. Now, again, I'm not saying carry navigator or chick tracks around with you everywhere you go. It's got to be more than that. When I say present the gospel, I believe when Jesus says present the gospel, yes, we are to preach the gospel, but we are also to live the gospel. And I submit to you that if you're not living the gospel, your preaching doesn't have much meaning at all. So live the gospel. Let the gospel, let the good news, let what Christ has done for you become the expression of your life. The next word is ready. Ready means prepared, willing, available. We could even say this, equipped. God has given these gifts to the church for the equipping, for the make ready of the saints to do the work of ministry. So Paul says in Romans 1, 15 and 16, he said, I am ready to preach the gospel of Christ. Are you ready? Peter, 1 Peter 3, 15, Peter says, be ready to give an answer for the hope that's in you. Jeremiah 23, 29. This is, this is that. I'm sorry, that's a, that's a. I think I said Jeremiah 29, 23. Jeremiah 23, 29 is the scripture that says his word is like a fire. It breaks the rock. Be ready to give an answer, not in condemnation, not in judgment, but, but be ready to give people a reason for the hope that you have. Why do you have hope in this world? In the midst of all the mess and all the turmoil, how can you have any hope whatsoever? Well, let me tell you why I have hope. Let me tell you why I'm not moved by these things. I don't like these things. I wish these things weren't so, but, but there is a reason I have hope in spite of these things. Be ready to give a reason, an answer for the hope. Be ready, Paul said, for every good work. Do you know that God has good works for you? How do you know? Because the scripture says, Ephesians 2.10, For we are His workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works which God prepared beforehand. I think that's good news. And if God has prepared works for us, I'm telling you what, He's made a way for us to be ready to walk in those works, to do those works. So, present. Ready. This next word, I love this next word, it's abide. It means to dwell or to continue. To remain to endure. It's a word that inherently communicates rest to me. Abide. Go to John 15.
John 15, 4. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. We are to abide in him. Abide. We're to abide in his word. John 8, 31. Jesus said, if you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed. And what does that word do? It's what we talked about earlier. That is the word that breaks away the hardness of my heart. That is the word that that burns away the chaff and gets down to what is truly the desire of God. Do we take the kernel of wheat, not for the chaff, but because inside of that chaff, surrounded by that chaff, there is something very valuable there. We are simply jars of clay. These jars of clay will perish one day. They'll pass away one day. They'll be transformed one day. What's valuable is not the jar of clay, it's the treasure that's inside. And we shouldn't live according to this jar of clay, we should live according to the treasure that's inside. And when we abide in Him, and when we abide in His Word, that's what that enables us to do. Abide in His love. He goes on in this this chapter of John, And he says in verse 8, By this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, and we can't bear fruit unless we're abiding in Him, so you will be my disciples. As the Father loved me, I also have loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. Look at verse 11. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy may be full. Now that's an important statement that Jesus makes there. He said, I have spoken these things to you that my joy may remain in you, and that your joy, whose joy? It says your joy, but, but, but how did I get any joy? His joy became my joy. And he says, I've spoken these things that that my joy may remain in you and that your joy may be full. This is why he says, don't look at my commandment as burdensome. I mean, the things you find great joy in, are they burdensome to you? I mean, think about what you love to do. What do you, I mean, just a fun thing you love to do. I mean, it could be anything, you know. It could be bungee jumping. I don't know. Maybe for the guys, it's fishing. He said, oh, man, I love to go fishing, but I've got to go fishing again. It's such a burden. No. I'm telling you, Jesus said, I have given you my joy to remain in you that your joy may be full. God wants your joy, church, to be full. Why is it not? I submit to you it's not when we don't truly understand and comprehend what Christ has done for us. When we're trying to live some life 
carry some facade around because we think it's what God wants us to do instead of finding the truth and the reality that will make us free, set us free, and enter into and have the joy that remains and that is to be full. My greatest pleasure should be in His will, in His plan, in His purpose for my life. But yet so many people look at salvation as just a means of escaping hell. That's not why Jesus saved us to escape hell. I'm going to tell you right now, it is not why He saved us. Just to escape hell. He gave us His Life. And we are to manifest and to make that life the fullness of everything. Filling all in all. That's what Paul said to the Ephesians. For it has been given to you, the church, his body. He is the head over the body. It's been given to you to be the fullness of him who fills all in all. Ephesians one twenty three. Man, you need to go meditate on that scripture right there because that is, that is so profound. It will blow your mind when you realize why God has truly saved you and why he has put the life of his son in you. That you are a part of causing him to fill all in all. Man, that is so much more, church, than just escaping hell and making it to heaven one day. This is why so much of the church doesn't have any joy. She's just hanging on, barely hanging on till she gets to heaven. Boy, if we can just make it till I get to heaven one day. Uh Uh-uh. We're not here on barely get along. We're here with resurrection life and resurrection power to make the fullness of Him who fills all things known. In all of his creation. Do you see that as your mission? Do you see that as why you're here? It is. And then this word yield. Another really important word. Surrender, submit, relinquish. Romans 6.13, yield yourself to God. 1 Peter 5.6, humble yourself under his mighty hand. Can you do it? Are you doing it? Humble yourself under his mighty hand. For God resists the proud, but he gives grace to the humble. He gives grace to those who will yield to him, submit to him, surrender to him, relinquish to him. There is a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour, but if you are yielded to him, submitted to him, surrendered to him under his mighty hand... I do not understand why the church is so fearful of the devil. Don't even give him the time of day. Jesus has already taken care of him. Keep your eyes on the Lord. Keep yourself yielded to the Lord. And you don't have to worry about him. Yield yourself to God. Yield your members as servants of righteousness. Romans 6.19 Yield your members as servants. 
Yield willingly in wisdom, James 3.17. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. James says, yield willingly in wisdom. So I have four questions that, that I put on the back of your message guide, and I really want to encourage you to think about these four questions this week. They're right there at the bottom of your first page. What are you presenting? Present yourself to God. What, what are you presenting? Are you presenting yourself to God? Are you presenting His love? What are you presenting to the world? What are you presenting to, to those around you, to one another? What are you making ready? Are you making ready to be rich? Are you making ready to um, be strong? Are you making ready to, um, I don't know. Are you making ready for what God has prepared for you? Are you making ready to walk out as a lifestyle, this mission He's given us? Are you making ready to make Christ known, filling all in all? Are you making ready to be the fullness of Him who fills all in all? That when the world looks at you, they don't just see you, they see someone greater than you? Where are you abiding? Are you abiding in your fear? Are you abiding in your worry? Are you abiding in your bitterness and unforgiveness? Are you abiding in the offenses of the past? Where are you abiding? Or are you abiding in Him? Knowing that all things have been placed under His feet. Every offense, every injustice. Every cruel thing, every painful thing. Every hurtful thing. The disease you may struggle with, it's under His feet doesn't mean you don't have a disease you're struggling with, but it does mean God will not forsake you and He will walk with you through it. And I believe you should believe that He can walk you right out of it. But what if He doesn't? I mean, let's be real, church. We've all known people of faith who have died in their disease. What if He doesn't walk us out of it? Can you still glorify Him? Can you still say, He is my shepherd, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? Can you say, though you slay me, yet will I trust you, God, the way Job did? Can you do it? Because I'm going to tell you what, church, God is bigger than anything and everything. Where are you abiding? Is that the God you're abiding in? Is that the word you're abiding in? Is that the salvation you're abiding in? To what? To who are you yielding? Are you yielding to the deceit of the enemy? The lies of the devil? Are you yielding to all the turmoil in the world? Because you're abiding in the wrong place, are you yielding to the wrong things? Because I, I am firmly convinced that wherever we're abiding, that's, that's what we're going to be yielding to. So these are important questions. 
that we need to ask ourselves. What I'm talking about is not something that just happens. It is, in faith, something we purpose. Turn to James chapter 2. Faith works on purpose. We've just come to believe that faith today means that if I have enough faith, I can get anything I want. And that's not what faith is. That is not what faith is. That's not why God has given us faith. James chapter 2, verse 20. But do you want to know, O foolish man, that faith without works is dead? Was not Abraham our father justified by works when he offered Isaac his son on the altar? Do you not see, do you see that faith was working together with his works? And by works, faith is made perfect or faith is made complete. In other words, Abraham didn't just happen to take Isaac to the top of that mountain. He went on purpose. But he went in faith. And it was his faith, his trust in God, that enabled Abraham to purposefully take his son to that mountain. Excuse me. And it was his Faith that enabled Abraham to say to his servants, me and the boy are going to go worship up on the mountain and we will return. Not I will, but we will return. I happen to believe faith is a gift from God. And I think it's no accident that God waited as long as he did to tell Abraham to take Isaac up to that mountain. There's a reason why God didn't tell to take tell Abraham to take his two-day-old infant to that mountain and sacrifice him. And, and, and I just happened to believe the reason he didn't was many, but I believe one of them was because God knew Abraham didn't have the faith to take that infant son. But God took Abraham on a journey... I mean, from the time the promise was given, do you realize it was 25 years before Abraham had his son? He had to wait 25 years. He even tried to circumvent God's plan and create his own plan in the the middle of that 25 years. When God says, take your boy to that mountain and sacrifice him to me, God knew absolutely that Abraham would be able to follow through. And what I'm telling you is this, church. What God asked you to do, what God commands you to do in His Word. He commands you to do it because He has given you the faith to do it. And it doesn't just happen. I'm talking about something that you do on purpose. You purpose to present yourself to God. You purpose to not present yourself to God. You, on purpose, decide where you're going to live. If you want to keep living in bitterness and unforgiveness, that's where you're going to live because that's where you purpose to live. And you can come up with all kinds of excuses why you have to live there, but I'm telling you what, that's really where you want to live. But even in that, here's the good news. God loves you enough to take you on a journey that will break you away from that. Now, it may be a very painful journey. It may be a journey that is very uncomfortable for you. But I'm telling you what, God is not content to leave you in that place. If you are his child, 
called by His name, He's not going to leave you in that place. I, I don't believe it. I just don't. But what I'm saying is, we can yield ourselves to God. We can surrender. We can present ourselves to Him. We can choose to abide in Him, abide in His Word. As His children, we can do that. And this doesn't become some burdensome thing. It becomes the very expression of my life. Why? Because this is where my joy is. This is where my fulfillment is. Because this is where His joy is. And this is where His fulfillment is. This is where His good pleasure is working in me, in you. And His good pleasure should be your good pleasure. So faith works. It works on purpose. And this is a lifestyle that is from faith that we live on purpose. It's a way of life. Go to 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I'm going to skip. There's lots of scripture in this message, God. And I can't cover them all today. What you take it and do with it is your choice. You purpose what you're going to do there. 2 Corinthians chapter 3. I do want to read this scripture to you. Verse 5. Paul says, Not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think of anything as being from ourselves, but our sufficiency is from God who also made us sufficiency. Do you, do, you, do you know that, church? Do you believe that? Your sufficiency is from God. In spite of what you want to call to mind, in spite of past failings, in spite of whatever you choose to look at with your natural eyes, I'm telling you what, your sufficiency is from God. Who also made us sufficient as ministers of the new covenant, not of the letter but of the Spirit. For the letter kills, but the Spirit gives life. Only by the Spirit can this be life to you. You can go through the motions of trying to figure out how you're going to fulfill some mission, some great commission, some lifestyle. If you want to make it forced and mechanical, you can, but it's not meant to be that way. It's meant to be organic. It's meant to be life. I mean, life should just spring from it. It should be from life. And life is not in the letter, but life is in the Spirit. This is why God gave us His Spirit. He gave us His life. That's what His Spirit is. His Spirit is life. He has given us His life. This is His Word. If we don't read it from a point of view of life, it just is a letter that will kill us. But if we will let the spirit of life, in spite of our traditions, in spite of our pet doctrines, in spite of our sacred cows, let them all be slaughtered on the altar and come to life. And let life come from you as he has poured it into you by his spirit. Pray that it become life to you. I want you to say this. Say, Christ has given this mission to me. I want you to point to yourself. 
Say, Christ has given this mission to me. Me. It's yours. This is your mission. It's his plan. It's his purpose. But I'm telling you what, he has given you the mission of making Christ known. Of revealing life. Not because you're special, but because he's special. Not because you did anything, but because he did everything. But are you yielded to what he did? Are you going to become a servant, an instrument, a servant of his plan, of his purpose, of his righteousness? You must take ownership. It's every believer's calling. This mission is given to you by Christ. It's not the pastor's responsibility. It's not the evangelist's responsibility. It's not full-time vocational minister's responsibility. It's every believer's responsibility. Because we are all members of His body. You must take responsibility. That's a word we don't like in today's culture. But here's the reality. What you do matters. What you don't do matters. It really does. It's not good enough that God loved the world so much He gave His Son. The question is, are you going to love one another the way Christ loved you? Are you going to make His gospel known to all? Because you take seriously what Christ has committed to us in His Word. Are you going to take responsibility? Not as a burden, but as your great pleasure. You must take accountability. This is really a toughie. Because this only occurs within healthy relationships. Do you know why so many people run from accountability? You know what happens most of the time when I try to hold people accountable? They run. And I'm going to tell you, the Lord, the Lord has dealt with me about this whole thing of people doing things and then they're never held accountable. And I said one day, I said, you know what? If we're not going to believe all of this word, then let's just cut out the parts that we don't believe. If we don't believe the part about holding people accountable and discipline, then let's just take that out of our Bible and pretend like God never said that. And the Lord challenged me. He said, do you love people enough to hold them accountable, even if it means that they're going to become offended and leave your church? I thought, ooh, that's a tough question, God. And my answer was, yes, God, I do. So you know what God did? God has given me, you know, that's why they say don't ever pray for patience, because you know, Paul says, you know what produces patience? Tribulation. I wish I had more peace, God. Well, you better watch out because God might allow a storm to come into your life so you can experience peace. I said, yes, God, I do. So you know what? God's given me some opportunity to bring discipline to people. And you know what? They've rejected. And they did exactly what I thought they would do. But here's the question, church. Do you love God enough? And do you have a comprehension of what it means to be in His body that you could even endure discipline and not run from it? 
I mean, if you really deserved it. I'm not talking about nitpicking and just, I'm talking about situations just like with parents with your kids. You know when your kids need to be disciplined. Sometimes kids just need to be kids. You know, but sometimes we need to, discipline's not punishment. Discipline is good. Discipline helps us grow. Sometimes there's situations as parents that say, you know what, I need to help my child grow in this area. I need to discipline him to help him grow in this area because if I don't, it's going to be detrimental for him. If I love him, I'm going to discipline him. And that's what the Bible says, right? Well, if that applies to parents, then it applies also to the body. That's what Jesus said about the body. The problem is we've created a culture that won't endure discipline. It wasn't Dr. Spock who came up with this. You know why Dr. Spock was able to write his book and so many people embrace it? Because we had a church that was unwilling to embrace discipline because it became politically incorrect a long time ago. So God says, you say you believe this word? You really believe all of it? Oh, yes, God. Okay, let's see how much you believe it. Are we willing, do we love people enough to hold them accountable? Accountability is something we have to purpose to take. It doesn't just happen. But it has to happen in the context of healthy relationships. See, there could be a father who thinks he's disciplining his child, but he's really abusing them. That's why accountability can only occur in healthy relationships. There is a healthy discipline. There's an unhealthy abuse called discipline that's not discipline. That's not what I'm talking about. And this only occurs with the right attitude. Not coming, trying to judge somebody, trying to condemn someone, but coming because you love somebody. And say, you know what, if I let you just keep behaving like that, doing those things, I don't really love you. I can call myself a pastor who loves you, but but I don't really love you if I just turn a blind eye to that continuously because I don't want to offend you. I don't really love you if I don't call you down on that. I'm not talking about some dead, dry legalism, I'm talking about life. Life, church. It's not healthy for you to go through life holding bitterness and unforgiveness. It's not. And so we should be challenged and held accountable. Have you been able to release that? And if not, why not? Let's pray about it. Let's look at what the Scripture says. Let God bring healing to your life in this area. And the fourth thing is this. You must take the cross. The work of the cross in you, it is Christ. The work of the cross through you, it is Christ. I mean, that that could be a whole big subject. But in a nutshell, this is the work of the cross. It is to make Christ Known, it is that His image would fill the very earth and the very creation. And it's got to begin with us individually. Don't go try to save the world until you've been saved yourself. Jesus said it like this, don't go take the speck out of your brother's eye until you remove the beam from your own. But I'm telling you what, God brought the cross so that Christ could be manifest in us, that we would be conformed to that image and that image would be known and seen in the earth. So as much as is in me, I am ready to preach the gospel for I am not ashamed of the gospel of Christ for it is the power of God to salvation for everyone who believes. The gospel of Christ is the power of God 
to save us. And if you think the gospel is just simply preaching a message on the Roman road, it is not. The gospel is the totality of everything that Jesus came to say, to do, to be, to fill all in all. That is the gospel. That is the good news. He is the good news. Christ is the gospel. Christ is the only thing that can save you. He is the only thing that can make you whole, that can heal you, that can restore you. He is the only thing. If we are not preaching Christ, we're not preaching salvation. And there is no power in what we say. How do we know that, Pastor Jeff? Because that's what the Scripture says. For the gospel of Christ is the power of God to salvation. So, church, pray. And when I say pray, I mean pray, but I also mean present yourself. Who? What are you presenting? What are you making ready? Where are you abiding? To whom are you yielding? Pray for the church. Pray for Christ's fellowship. Abide in the right place. Present the right things. Be ready for what God has for you. Yield, surrender, relinquish to Him for the church's sake, for this local body's sake, for the greater, larger body's sake, for the sake of the mission of making Christ known. Pray that the Spirit have His way in your life, in my life, in our life, in His church. Pray that you live out the mission in truth, rooted and grounded in love, unfailing and full of joy. Amen? Let's stand.